It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube. A trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Hello and welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. On the programme, we continue our weekly look at the world of agriculture and food. We trace 31 years this week of the Farm Talk programme on C103. John O'Connor, who's been at the helm in all that time, will tell us more. Tagus recently launched its farm diversification programme, the establishment of a new enterprise on a farm. We find out how some participants are faring in Cork West. The organic farming scheme will reopen to new entrants in the first week of March, and we hear about the criteria attached to this. And Farm Talk's John O'Connor is also looking at other stories making the agri-news this week. Well, as I said in the introduction, this week we're looking at 31 years of the Farm Talk programme on C103. And John O'Connor, who's been at the helm in all that time, joins me. So John, on the 7th of February to be exact, we're marking the 31st anniversary of the broadcast of the first farming programme on C103's predecessor, County Sound. And that was back in 1990. Yes, Barry. The first ever specialist agricultural programme broadcast on our station was Farm Review, a 30-minute unsponsored update on agri-topics. That was on Wednesday, 7th of February, 1990, at 7.30pm. It was produced and presented by Jimmy Reedy, Breda Horgan, John Deedy and myself, with assistance from John Foote. Station Chief Engineer John Cal supervised all of the technical aspects. And John, can you outline the Dairy Gold connection? Well, for part of 1990 and 1991, Bank of Ireland sponsored the programme. But from 10th of August 1991, the first Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme as such was aired. Dairy Gold had been created by the amalgamation of Mitchellstown Cooperative Agricultural Society Limited and Ballyclaw Cooperative. For 1991, Dairy Gold shared sponsorship with Smith Klein Beecham Animal Health and later with Whelan's. After about two years or so, and for most of the 31 years, Dairy Gold has been the exclusive sponsor of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. And over the 31 years of the farm programme, there have of course been challenges and opportunities for agriculture. The first big challenge and opportunity on the horizon in 1990 was the looming EU single market in 1992, with the expectation of very substantial funding from Brussels for agriculture. And Irish agriculture survived potential disasters in the 1990s. Serious animal health issues such as BSE, so-called mad cow disease, foot and mouth disease and swine fever were amongst the biggest threats. 
the introduction of PFD, Purchase for Destruction, was one of the decisive measures implemented to try and put a floor under the price of cattle. The whole country, urban and rural, supported biosecurity measures during these disease threats. And locally, John, the closure of the sugar factory in Mallow is still seen by many as a bad decision in the longer term. The Mallow sugar factory closure was seen as part of the impact of globalisation, but nonetheless a tragedy, especially by the workers who had been cooperating fully with all of the many and various production demands made on them to increase production in the years leading up to the closure. But if you had to identify the most important development in Irish agriculture in the 31 years of farm programmes broadcast on C103, what would that be? I think it's generally agreed the most significant development was the abolition of milk quotas in 2015. It was seen as the dawn of a new era. There had been strict limits on milk production since 1984 with the EU introduction of the milk quota regime. There were super-levy fines for anyone who produced milk over their existing quota. Quota was bought and sold with land, and it was seen as a huge impediment to any ambitious younger farmer or any farmer in general who wanted to expand production. And now, on mature reflection, what was the impact of the abolition of the EU milk quota regime? In a positive sense, it was excellent, insofar as it removed the shackles from Ireland's ability to scale up milk production and the dairy sector in general. But some farmers felt they had to run twice as fast just to stand still as the laws of supply and demand kicked in. With so much extra milk available, efficiency became ever more vital, with the co-ops, Chagask and agricultural advisors providing excellent technical support to dairy farmers. And John, the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, in recent days, has used the historic expression to caution on national expansion of the dairy herd and milk production. He's reported as saying, on mature reflection, we cannot continue to expand milk production forever. So he implies there must be some discussion of limit to production at some point. The debate is ongoing. EU payments to farmers will increasingly be linked to environment targets. Some farmers could face cuts of 30% to their payments under the latest cap reform. The new REPSA programme, for example, Rural Environmental Protection Scheme, will be strictly linked to tighter environmental targets. There is an important event that took place in 2019 that you're anxious to highlight and which was extensively covered by you on Farm Talk. The centenary of the foundation of the Mitchellstown Cooperative Agricultural Society Limited was marked by our sponsor Dairy Gold with a big event at the Clonmel Road Mitchellstown offices on Thursday 26th of September 2019. To mark the occasion, a commemorative book entitled Mitchellstown Cooperative Agricultural Society Limited, A History 1919-1990, written by historian John Hawk, was launched. Speaking at a centenary event, Dairy Gold Chief Executive Jim Wolfe commented that he believed that with the prudent investments Dairy Gold had made in research, innovation and state-of-the-art dairy facilities, we would see this cooperative go from strength to strength as it enters the next century. Author John Hawke, a Limerick native and a shareholder in the co-op, reported tremendous interest in his book, on the history of the Mitchellstown Cooperative Agricultural Society Limited, now part of the Dairy Gold Cooperative Society Limited. And similarly, an historic ceremony in Bantry in October 2016, when a plaque was unveiled to mark a highlight in the struggle for recognition of farmers' rights. A plaque was unveiled in Bantry Town Square 
on 27th of October 2016 to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the 217 miles march by 16 farmer members of the NFA, the National Farmers Association, forerunner of the IFA, to Leinster House in Dublin on 7th of October 1966, led by Mr Rickard D.C., NFA President, in support of an 11-point declaration of farmers' rights. The plaque was unveiled by the IFA President at the time, in 2016, Mr Joe Healy and Mr Corney Buckley, West Cork County IFA Chairman. So I guess, John, we can say just a brief overview of the issues covered on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme over the years. That's right, Barry, just a very brief overview there. But I would like to express my sincere gratitude to you for your very kind cooperation in presenting Farm Talk since the pandemic struck. And of course, to Maraid for stepping in at short notice to produce and present the programme when asked. As always, uh, to John Foote, who has kindly helped in many ways, not least, creation of Farm Talk podcasts. And thanks too to Eric Griffin for his cooperation and expertise in getting the programme aired every Saturday morning, 10am to 11am, and every Wednesday evening, 10pm to 11pm. Not forgetting, of course, Sean Donlan, who from very earliest days was a much-valued advisor to Farm Talk. Drawing on his immense knowledge obtained over 27 years, he served with Chagask. And John, of course, you began your association with C103's predecessor, County Sound, in December 1989, when you joined the station as head of news to set up the news service for the station, which had just been granted a broadcasting licence. That's correct. I joined on 15th of December 1989, moving from Cork City to live and work in Mallow, and now into my 32nd year with the station. And Tagusk, like Dairy Gold, are huge supporters of Farm Talk. And Tom Curran is Regional Manager, West Cork. The Farm Talk programme is a fantastic medium to inform farmers of events that are taking place and to get technical information across to farmers at critical times of the year. Farmers can listen to the information in their own homes when they're on the tractor or in the milking parlour or in the car and jeep as they go about their daily duties. Advisors put in a lot of work in preparing radio pieces each week and it's great to get feedback from farmers who've listened to the programme and often say, I heard you on the radio on Saturday morning. On behalf of Chagas in County Cork, I would like to congratulate C103, John O'Connor and Barry O'Mahony on 31 years of excellent radio and excellent service to the farming community in County Cork. The new Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National President, Mr Dermot Kelleher, has told Minister McConnell he must drive on with a campaign to develop a suckler beef brand. Speaking at the ICSA AGM and conference, Mr Kelleher said there must be absolute commitment from all stakeholders to turn this dream into a reality. Mr Kelleher said the first steps have been taken of the Beef Task Force with a commitment of funds to board beer for initial market research and development. But on its own, he emphasised, this would not be enough. He doesn't want to see us falling at the first hurdle. Developing a circular brand will require trial and error, but he said it will need absolute commitment from board beer and 100% support from Minister and the Department. Establishment of a circular beef brand will also need full buy-in from the meat factories and to concentrate mines, he is calling on Minister McConnell to attach conditionality to the €100 million Euro Brexit funds secured for processors. Mr Kelleher said he believes there are two essential conditions which should apply to beef processors getting some of this money. He said the first would be absolute commitment to price transparency and cooperation with the food ombudsman. 
The second would be that meat processors who are committing their own resources to the circular brand should get priority for this funding of €100 million. The ICSA president pointed out that this €100 million Brexit fund is explicitly for the processing and marketing initiatives of processors. He believes it must be used to develop circular beef as a premium brand, with a view to returning a strong premium to circular beef producers. Also, he said, we want the Minister to deliver a significant portion of the €105 billion Brexit adjustment reserve to the dry stock sector. Cattle and sheep farmers are enduring their fifth year of economic turmoil because of Brexit. Mr Kelleher said uncertain market conditions remain and the impact of that market uncertainty continues to hit hardest in the lower income farming sectors. In the longer term, he said, the ICSA wants a cap which would prioritise low-income cattle, sheep and tillage farmers. The eco-scheme must be simple and it should favour less intensive farmers. The eco-scheme should not set a bar too high to prevent a substantial payment under a new reps-type scheme in Pillar 2. Mr Keller said the ICSA believes that a trebling of the current glass budget is the only realistic way to approach a new agri-environment reps-type scheme. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConlogue TD, has welcomed the decision by the European Commission to allow Ireland the flexibility to set a new reduction period under the Beef Emergency Aid Measure, BEAM. Minister McConlogue said he recently wrote to the EU Commission seeking flexibility to offer Irish farmers the choice of changing the reduction year from the existing period of 1st of July 2020 to 30th of June 2021 to a new period of 1st of January 2021 to 31st of December 2021. Minister McConlogue said the new reduction period will only apply to those farmers who opt to apply for the change. Those farmers currently on track to meet the 5% nitrogen reduction targets may use the original reference period ending 30th of June. Commenting on the communication from the Commission, Minister Piccolo said he welcomed the decision by the European Commission to allow Ireland to amend the reduction period under the BEAM scheme for those who actually were required. As the European Commission is a significant funder of BEAM, it was critical they would be consulted on Ireland's proposed change. Minister Conlogue said this was a key priority of his since taking office and he understood the challenge which some farmers had faced in meeting the 5% nitrogen reduction element of BEAM. He said the option of a new reduction period now gives these farmers who want it to record a second opportunity to meet the nitrogen reduction requirement of the scheme. Minister McConlogue said now that this flexibility has been secured, he will be intensifying his engagement with farm organisations and agricultural contractors and consultants to ensure their respective members and clients are fully informed of requirements of the scheme and the new reduction period. His department will be writing to all of the scheme participants shortly, giving updated nitrogen figures to clearly inform them of what they need to do to meet the requirements of the scheme. And we'll also be giving advice on how and when they can opt to change the production year. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. The government has made the first call for the €100 million Brexit scheme for the agri-food sector. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell-Oak, and Minister for Enterprise, Tanish Tilly over Edgar, opened the first round of applications. 
The scheme was agreed by government at the end of 2020 and has been established in recognition of the sector's unique exposure to the impact of Brexit. Up to €70 million is available under the first call, which is being administered by Enterprise Ireland. It's open to large, medium or small enterprises engaged in the processing and marketing of primary meat and dairy products. As with any public funding, detailed terms and conditions will apply to the scheme, which will be awarded by Enterprise Ireland on the basis of a competitive call. The closing date for applications is April 15th, 2021. Recently, we spoke on Farm Talk about farm diversification, the establishment of a new enterprise on a farm. The term is usually used when considering a non-agricultural or novel enterprise. Many farmers and rural dwellers are interested in diversifying their farm enterprise and there are countless possibilities. Tiagos has produced a comprehensive body of information to help those interested in trying to identify a realistic option that suits them for generating additional household income. Tiagos run a weekly webinar every Tuesday at 11am called Farm Business Options which provides detailed case studies from diversification champions around Ireland. Just before Christmas, a Farm Business Options webinar on farm diversification in Cork West was held. Anya O'Reardon and Seamus Lorden, Tagus Cork West, facilitated this webinar with guest speakers Alan and Valerie Kingston, Glenillan Farm, David and Elizabeth Ross, top of the Rock Pod Park and Walking Centre, and Johnny Lynch, McCroom Buffalo Farm. The panel discussed how they've diversified their family farms to generate additional income, ranging from food business to hospitality and tourism. We thought it would be of great interest to hear from the contributors, and we'll do that over the next few weeks, beginning with Johnny Lynch of McCroom Buffalo Farm, who has spoken to John O'Connor about the venture here on Farm Talk previously. On the Chagas Corkwest webinar, he explained how the transition got off the ground. So... We started out in 2009, really, and the reason why we changed was for the low price of milk. Couldn't see no future, really, for the next generation coming on. Um, we had an opportunity to be first. A lot of the reason was that farming was becoming very lonely, too. You wouldn't see anyone calling to the farm. To you, when you're only milking 40 or 50 cows, you can't afford to employ a man. So you do it all yourself. So the only man you see really is the milkman that calls to collect the milk. And if he calls before 7 or 8 in the morning, you won't even see him. So anyway, we switched and we went from there. Um, Why I was suited really was because we had a milking parlour. We had land and we looked at sheep for a while But if we went down the milking sheep route, we would have had to change the fencing. We would have had to change the parlour. You know, the parlour would be too big, of course, housing. And also, on top of that, we didn't know anything about sheep. And like I know that the water buffalo, we didn't know anything about them either, but we would have been forced at it. And that brings a lot of um, good. But also, if you want to find out anything about them, you have to get on a plane and go. We had to do a lot of research. First we went to first we went to Wales and we milked the animals there for a week. That went fine. We were over with a lady called Alison Clark. She was milking 104 animals and she was drawing the milk in four hours away where the milk was made into cheese. We went from there, we travelled to Italy and numerous times to 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 see cheese plants as well as farms, which was all indoor 
over in Italy. There's very few that have mountain grass. From there, we learned an awful lot. Um, the next place we went to then was trying to establish whether the Irish people would like cheese. So you have to look into how much mozzarella is being imported into Ireland, which wasn't a very easy thing to do. Um, but you would get rough ideas from looking up certain places. Then you have to hope that the Irish people will support you, which they have, and they're great, unreal good, the way they support Irish cheeses and anyone that do anything, they really support them. Then we only had mozzarella in our mind at that stage kind of thing, but we also travelled to Greece, all over Europe, really. Um, So then we had to look at grant aid, which is a huge part of anyone's anyone that's starting up. Um, the Uderas is the place where we went to. Uderas were great, very helpful. Um, a lot of farm filling, that is for sure. And um, but at the end of the day, if you have someone that that knows how to fill farms, it's really worth worth an effort because very hard to get going without help, especially financial help. We have a wide range of people we supply to, Aldi, Musgraves, Tesco, Dunn's, Marks and Spencer's, Harrigan's, um, call to our yard three or four times a week. So they delivered the stock for us. Um, Lilliput, West Cork Olives, um, Palace Foods are also there, but we deliver to all them really. Plans for the future. We have three farms going, as as we were talking about earlier on. So we have about five to five fifty animals in, in total. Um, them three farms now are starting to fill up. So we have to find someone else to start farming them, and we have to go into making new cheeses, maybe yogurts, maybe blue cheese. You know, there's plenty of stuff out there. We have a lot of research done in them in the last two or three years. So plenty to look forward to for 21 anyway. Um, we have planning. We're after applying for planning to extend our plant. So I'll go. Would I do it all again? If you asked me that in 2014, I would say no. Um, I, was in, I was in another partnership up to then. And after five years, we still weren't making any money. Um I really think after three years, if you're not making any money, you should seriously look at things because if they haven't improved by then, they probably won't. Um, if you ask me now, I would say yes. Um, everything is starting to make sense with the last three years. Um, so I see the future now as good. Um, the jobs, you, you wake up every morning and there's plenty of jobs, there's plenty of different things. Um, there's cheese, there's milk, there's meat. There's employing people, which is a completely, you nearly want to take up a course as well to handle people that you employ. Um, where do we go from there? If I had any advice to give to anyone, it is relationships. It is like when you talk to the people in Aldi or Musgraves or anywhere, you're building relationships all the time. If the relationships are good, you'll always be able to ring them up if you have any hassle or anything. And if the relationships aren't good, you can't. Johnny Lynch, McCroom Buffalo Farm. 
Speaking on the Farm Business Options webinar on farm diversification in Cork West held before Christmas. And we'll hear more from the participants next week. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Agreement on funding of the new TB programme must come first, according to a statement from the nation's largest farming organisation. The IFA Animal Health Committee chairman, Ms. Pat Farrell, said the work of the TB Forum implementation group is critical to the successful development of the objectives in the TB strategy. He said this group, as announced by Minister for Agriculture Charlie McConnell, will consist of Department of Agriculture staff and farmer representatives under an independent chairman to discuss and agree the most appropriate approach to implementing the objectives of the TB strategy. Mr Farrell said this is the most important piece of the jigsaw in developing and rolling out the new TB strategy as this is where science and practical implementation will be aligned to minimise the impact on farmer livelihoods and the management of their farms. Mr Farrell contended that for far too long there had been a top-down approach from the Department of Agriculture in the TB programme with allegedly little or no regard for the impact of their controls on farm families or their livelihoods. Mr Farrell said the new strategy must deliver on its commitments in this regard and ensure the views of farmers who are the only stakeholders who will be impacted by these decisions are taken on board. He said the Minister for Agriculture had given clear commitments that this will no longer be the approach and farmers will be provided with respectful and meaningful engagement in all aspects of the TB programme. However, Pat Farrell said, the critical issue is the development of a sustainable funding model. 
In developing any programme or business plan, the first issue to be addressed is always the funding. This is no different for the TB programme. He said it's a fundamental requirement that the funding issue be resolved. It's not credible to seek to finalise a programme without sight of the resources which will be available to implement it. The IFA chairman has now called for the Financial Technical Working Group to be convened in the first instance and issues of funding of the programme and financial supports to be addressed. He said the cost-benefits analysis review must surely be concluded at this stage. This process commenced a year ago. The IFA, he said, had been informed in November that the first draft was nearing completion, but farmer members of the TB forum, he said, had not received any details. Pat Farrell said, it's putting the cart before the horse if the department pushes ahead and imposes a new TB programme on farmers without any agreement on the key financial issues. He called on the Minister for Agriculture, Mr Conlug, to ensure his officials implement the terms and the sentiment of the new TB strategy. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Next to our weekly Tagusk advisory and Karen Duclo joins me to discuss the calving season which is taking off on many farms. So Karen, have you any pointers for the busy season ahead? No doubt it's the busiest time of year um, for farmers. There's lots to be done inside the yard, outside the yard and indeed inside the farm office. So inside the yard, it's all about looking after stock and um, for calves calves have landed and uh, they need to be fed. In terms of the feeding guidelines for those first few feeds, Karen, what's important there? So after colostrum and after following the 1-2-3 programme, so that's the first milking within two hours and trying to get three litres into them, we're on to what's called, I suppose, transition milk and that's milking two to six from the dairy cow. Um, Only the first milk is considered colostrum and although... After 24 hours, antibiotics can't be absorbed um, into the into the calf. It does have a local effect um, on the gut. Transition milk helps keep calves healthy and stops droopy ears and, and runny nose. And how soon then can the milk replacer be fed to the calf? Calves need to get at least four feeds of the transition milk. So you're starting off with two, two and a half litres uh, per feed twice a day and building it up to litres. So it's only from day four that you can introduce whole milk or milk. And what is the best management for the calf landing on the beef farm? That depends on how far the calf has travelled. So the calf should get the milk feeding um, on the dairy farm in the morning and that evening um, set electrolytes um, at two to three litres and that calf then should rest overnight and milk feed again in the morning uh, and plus electrolytes um, that evening if they've travelled a good distance. Now, if, if there's been a local movement, um, you can resume milk feeding that evening um, to your normal rate of six litres a day or that two feeds of three litres. And how soon can they get on to the once-a-day feed then, Karen? Calves must be an absolute minimum of four weeks of age before you go to that once-a-day, and that's for a number of reasons. Um, the abomasum is too small um, to handle six litres in one feed uh, at that stage. So the digestive system is developing. It's not really developing until three or four weeks. And at that stage, it can take in nutrients from concentrate. So at four weeks, we can go once a day. But be careful, the calves still need to be checked thoroughly twice a day. So you might feed them milk in the morning 
and then concentrate in the evening. And what do you need to look out for with the milk replacer? So look, it's about following the instructions on the, the back of the bag and looking to see what um, rate it needs to be made up to. Um, you're checking as well in milk replacer that you have enough protein going in. So you're looking for a milk replacer with 23 to 26% crude protein um, and low in ash and fibre. We must be careful as well, like we're looking for high protein in milk replacer and, and hot water will destroy these proteins. So when you're making up milk replacer, make it up to body temperature before adding the, the milk powder in on top and, and give it a good mix. Uh, again, make sure your ratios are correct. Are you... Are you making up the milk replacer to one litre or are you adding in one litre of water plus the powder? Then how soon can a calf be weaned? Each calf needs to be eating at least a kilo of concentrate before they're weaned. And to do that, you're talking about reducing milk intake. Uh, and you should do that gradually over a week, 10 days. So knocking back their milk feed in terms of the volume or moving to once a day if you haven't already done so. And what we have found in trial work in Chagas is there's no difference in performance in calves between once a day and twice a day once it's done correctly. And I suppose it is um, a bit of a, a labour-saving device if you can move to once a day feeding. And the actions that are needed then, Karen, outside the yard, what needs to be done? I suppose usually normally we're talking about getting fertilizer out before calving starts and that hasn't happened in the vast majority of farms this year because of the way the weather has been. So there's little or no fertilizer gone out. So we're, we're looking for opportunities where um, once things dry up a bit, um, we're, we're out with our fertilizer and we should target maybe paddocks that we won't be grazing for a month or so with slurry and if they have lower covers, that ground should be getting slurry and all the rest should be getting a, a run of urea. And if we're lucky enough to get out soon in February, we're talking about a half bag of urea to the acre. Maybe if you're on very heavy ground and weather remains unsettled, you may not get out till March and you're going stronger then you're going with a bag of urea or you may split split that into two splits in March. And finally, important office work that there might be at this time. What needs to be completed just now? I'm just going to mention one piece of um, paperwork that needs to be completed in relation to um, it ties in with the fertiliser. It's that time of year for derogation farmers. If you were in derogation for 2020, uh, you need submit fertiliser and feed and records for 2020. If are helping you out with that paperwork, drop in the statements to us and we get that sorted for you. And thanks to Karen Duclo of Tagusk. Restrictions caused by COVID have affected everyone in many different ways. For anyone currently in the planning stages of building a new milking parlour, one of the challenges is not being able to go and visit other farms. Tagusk has now started building a library of virtual farm tours on its website. These allow you to take a look at milking parlours from the comfort of your own home. And virtual farm tours are available by visiting tiagask.ie. Sheep and goat owners are reminded there is still time to submit your 2020 sheep and goat census forms, but only online. You have until the 15th of February for online submissions. The original postal closing date for a seat of completed 2020 census forms had been Monday 1st of February 2021. But now the department has announced that an extended deadline to 15th of February 
2021 applies to receipt of online returns only. Online submission of sheep and goat census information is straightforward, the department says, and can be done through www.agfood.ie, all lowercase. The department statement points out the online system provides confirmation when a census submission has been submitted successfully. Farmers who are not already registered for online services can do so by logging on to www.agfood.ie and clicking the option to register. As login details are issued by post, farmers using the system for the first time should register immediately to allow sufficient time for their logon details to reach them at their registered addresses. A guide to the submission of census data online through agfood.ie is provided on the back of the census forms which issued to keepers in mid-December 2020. Where keepers of sheep or goats have additional questions in relation to the use of the online system, they can phone the following department phone number. And that phone number is Department of Agriculture, Food in the Marine, 761 064407 for assistance. Keepers are reminded they must also record the census information returned to the department in their flock registers. Online submissions for the 2020 census will remain an option after the extended closing date for online returns, and that is up to 15th of February 2021. However, it should be stressed that online submission of 2020 census data after that date, 15th of February, will be considered to be late and may have implications for eligibility to certain Department of Agriculture Food in the Marine schemes. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. The Organic Farming Scheme will reopen to new entrants in the first week of March. The reopening subject to EU Commission approval is expected to result in an increase of up to 30% in the number of farmers farming organically in Ireland this year. Minister of State Pippa Hackett expects four to 500 new farmers to be eligible to join the scheme. It represents a significant added investment in organic farming because of the additional €4 million Euro which was secured in the budget. IFA welcomed the announcement but stated unequivocally at its AGM that the department must execute the scheme correctly. In 2018, 75% of applicants were refused admission due to a flawed points-based system which discriminated against smaller land-based applicants. ICSA also welcomed the reopening of the organic scheme but more is needed in terms of access to it for cattle and sheep farmers. It says priority will once again be given to those in dairy tillage and horticulture sectors at the expense of dry stock farmers. ICSA is encouraging members to apply as young farmers will also be prioritised and young cattle and sheep farmers may have a better chance of being accepted. Public consultation on development of a new agri-environment pilot project has opened. It's aimed at shaping government policy on agri-environmental schemes. Cork South West TD Christopher O'Sullivan is urging farmers to make their views known. Ireland has been crying out for a proper results-based agri-environment scheme uh, and here is an opportunity to do that. Um, so I would ask all farmers right across uh, County Cork to have their say, to have their input um, and they can do this up until the 26th of February. The best way to do it is by visiting the department uh, website um, so that we can have a proper robust agri-environment scheme that's beneficial for biodiversity and habitat but also beneficial uh, for the farming community. Um, 
for too long. Uh, our policy and our payment schemes uh, have incentivized um, farming to uh, remove bits of hedgerow, bits of wetland, bits of scrub that may be important for some um, breeding species and some bits of biodiversity. Um, we need to flip that on its head. Um, that isn't a fault of the farming community, that's a fault of policy. But we need to flip it on its head and we need to um, incentivize and pay farmers properly uh, to protect these bits of habitat and biodiversity, um, to enhance uh, the farmland, to improve it for biodiversity and habitat. Uh, and here is a huge opportunity to do that. Um, so the consultation phase is still going on up until the end of this month. Um, and then it, it is hoped and it is expected that applications will open for this pilot scheme um, in the second quarter of 2021. And again, I would encourage all farmers uh, to participate in this uh, because it could be uh, a really fantastic scheme. Green Ministers Malcolm Noonan and Pippa Hackett have welcomed the announcement of a new initiative, Peatlands and People, which will contribute to the long-term implementation of Ireland's Climate Action Plan and promote and protect Ireland's biodiversity. The project's been awarded €10 million Euro from the EU Life Funds, with additional supports of €2.5 million and other resources from the National Parks and Wildlife Service and the Department of Climate and Communications. Ireland's wetlands and peat bogs will play a crucial role in reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Applications are invited for funding of €275,000 for projects supporting agritourism initiatives, which may also include rural food markets. The maximum amount payable for any one project would be €25,000. Agri-food tourism broadly is the practice of offering an activity or activities in rural areas of Ireland to visit places of well-known agricultural produce and to sample and taste the local or regional cuisine or specialities. Agri-food tourism includes a wide variety of activities involving links between agriculture and the food produced at the local or regional level. It may involve staying on a farm or touring food trades and events, participation in agricultural endeavours or buying produce directly from a farm or a market. Agri-food tourism also encompasses local food, farmer and artisan market schemes that support and are paired with local and seasonal food producers and artisan crafts. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell TD, has issued a call for proposals for agri-food tourism initiatives under the 2021 Rural Innovation and Development Fund. Minister McConnell pointed out that total funding of €275,000 is available for projects supporting agri-food tourism initiatives, which may also include rural food markets. The maximum amount payable for any one project would be €25,000. Applications should be made via the Call for Proposals application which can be traced through www.gov.ie or lowercase. Closing date for receipt of applications is 12 noon on 5th of March 2021. And that's the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Minister Charlie McConnellogue, issuing a call for proposals for agri-food tourism initiatives under the Rural Innovation and Development Fund. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. And thanks to John O'Connor for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week, especially for the look back at 31 years of this programme, during which John has been constantly at the helm. 
I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thank you for listening. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.